2: This is vSIN's Big Bets with Dave
0: Ross and Amal Shaw on vSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: And we begin a discombobulated Big Bets here <laughs> on a Tuesday. Dave Ross and Amal Shaw here. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on. Bowl games galore today. Yep. I say discombobulated because I woke up today, Amal, and you know, normally in my routine, I try to get in some push ups before the day is going, check out what's going on in the world. And then I see a first quarter score scoreless. And I'm like, what? There's a football games already going. The Camellia Bowl is already underway. Now, again, West Coast time, you East Coasters, like, where you been, Ross? I've been watching it all morning, right? So all of a sudden you wake up, there's bowl action on. I kind of love it. Georgia Southern against Buffalo. This one goes to the half with Buffalo having an eight point lead, but you and I. I hopped in a little halftime, took Buffalo land five and a half in the second half. They get a turnover on play one and a touchdown on play two. You can't start off a better second half if you're Georgia Southern.
4: Oh, absolutely right. First play of the second half, you go for about an 80-yard house call. Then you convert the two-point conversion. You and I both vehemently disagree with uh, Clay Helton go for two in that spot there. I know they made it, and I said to you, I said, 100 bucks doesn't says matter. this dummy goes for two right here. I thought did would kick it. No, no, no. I knew he's not that smart. There's no <laughs> chance. This is the guy taking a timeout after first time before halftime, and that doesn't use his second timeout after they run the football to what be able to stop that? the clock. Like, you, you, like again, we're, we're
3: talking about some of these nuances. But, again, for, your, for, for better, betters out there, you know, like, these plays, that one play Clay Helton could have saved at the end of the first could've half. Could have gotten him three points. Absolutely, because they drove
4: the ball into Buffalo territory and ran out of time. So, you, you put right. another 40 seconds on the clock, you got a chance to score. So I've got a test that needs to be administered to all these coaches getting hired. It's a clock management test. You just got to trademark it because most of these morons would never pass it. I would never hire them. Look, the reality of it is you can get guys that can recruit. As long as you're at Texas A&M, you get the right people to pay money. Everything works that way. We know Jimbo can't coach. They just haven't figured it out in College Station yet. They got lucky that one year in 2013 at Free Shoes U. But other than that. (laughs) To me, you need a guy that can manage the clock, manage the game. That's what Belichick has always gotten a ton of credit for. Bill Parcells was always great at that. Yep. Sean Payton's done a great job of that. Some of these other coaches, they don't know if they're coming or going. You know, it's interesting. And, again, I know it
3: sounds like it's easy for us in Ivory Towers to watch the games and tell coaches what they should and shouldn't do. Amal and I are not sitting here saying that we would know how to execute the game plans and all those things. I, I but never time, say that. Right. No. But time management and when to necessarily kick and when to necessarily – I think – We've got a
4: pretty good handle on it after 40 years of, of watching football. I can tell you right now, you can find about 100 guys in the sports book that can do a better job than most of these guys. But some people are dumb enough. I remember one time I got into an argument with somebody about. I said Rocky Long, they were down, they were down by 11. They scored a touchdown with about six minutes to go, and he kicks the extra point. You got to go for two. Of course, you got to go for two, and I get into it. Go, the guy goes, "I trust the coach more than you." I go, "Well, you're as dumb as he is." See, and that's the that's the thing, right? It,
3: we're not saying that. You know, these guys know football inside and out. I always, we're not I, talking about the exes, absolutely. But when it comes to time management, and this is why coaches, and I believe Nathaniel Hackett actually, if you remember the week one demise against yeah. Seattle, the terrible clock management, and he brought somebody in on the staff, it was like yeah. a specialist to do just what we're talking about. That's kind of the beginning of the end, right? That, like, if you need somebody to come in and kind of do that part of the job for you, then what's your worth? Because it makes it sound like you're Nathaniel Hackett, you're an offensive coordinator. But that's kind of all you are because you can't really manage
4: time, you know, when to go, when not. To. Those are the intricacies of a great head coach. I, I would agree with you there, but I thought, the, his, I thought the mistake was when the minute they said, yes, you're going to be our next head coach. And, you know, to me, he was just not a guy I would have been looking to bring in. But I think it goes to more nuances than that. Mm. I think there's certain things. For example, I pointed this out when Houston was playing in, uh, was it Indy they played in week one where they had the tie? Uh, yes, I believe that was week one. There was about 38 seconds left in the first, in the third quarter and Houston had a 20 point lead. And I said if you are uh who's who's the head coach on there? Lovey Smith. Actually actually that it did I believe Houston got the
3: that game did not end in a tie but it should have ended in a tie. Oh, you're talking no, last did, this no, year. No, no, it ended in a tie week 1. It week was one, week one oh, okay. 20 uh, yeah. I obviously again as commissioner of the NFL I will ban all ties so this will not be a possibility. Yeah. The the Cole, That's right, Colts Texans. Yeah. Yes, cuz I was like wait a minute, it should have been a tie but it wasn't a tie. I believe uh, should they- was that Colts Texans that did tie? Yes, it was. Okay. Yeah, because hey, the hey, Texans have one tie and two wins. Hey, Dave? Yeah, If I'm telling you, save yourself some time. If I remember, usually
4: I don't remember the guy's name. I'm only thinking of the, the Commanders
3: one. and the Giants as the only time. But but, there's been two ties this year.
4: So there's 38 seconds left in the quarter, and I said, run the ball here. Take the next play into the fourth quarter. These guys managed not only to run three plays, punt, and allow the Colts to run one offensive play before the end of the quarter. I'm like, how do you do that? Right. And it was just absolutely pathetic, and it's the clock management that kills you in so many of these games. That's the one thing. Um, Barry Odom, when he was at Missouri, they are playing Oklahoma State. And they're down 10 to start the fourth quarter. Uh, they just scored from 16 to 10. He kicks the extra point. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. A friend of mine always says this, and he's so right. He goes, Is there not one person on the sidelines that says, done hey, Dunn, uh,
3: uh, we got it going for two here. What are you doing? It's, it's simple math, not so simple for some. I, I want to go back to last night's game. Chargers, if you had the Chargers last night, I don't know that you ever sweated that game out. It was 7 to 3 at one point in the second quarter, but it just felt like if you watched Nick Foles early, you went, Oh boy. Like, this is, this is not better, Jeff, Saturday, okay? And you and I were talking about a little bit before the show. We're talking about some of these time and decisions. Brandon Staley uh, goes down there, and he's got a fourth-and-one easy chip shot field goal. It's like from the 13, 14-yard line. He goes for it and gets it. Then they get first-and-goal, and they get it down to about the two, and it's fourth-and-goal, and then they kick it. So you basically just wasted three minutes to get the same three points. I got I, fourth-and-one, fourth-and-two. I know it's a yard difference, but you're inside the five. The analytics is going to tell you that's exactly when you go for it. You're, I think they were up seven at the time. I believe it was 10 to three in that situation. So, like, I, I, I officially – I just throw my hands up with Brandon Staley. I don't get it. I don't understand – is he following analytics? And I'm not saying you have to follow the analytics all the time. I'm a go-with-your-gut guy, and maybe his gut said we're not going to get it with Austin Eckler here or how we're going to do it, but – it's just curious when they decide to go and when they don't. But it was in the same drive. And it was actually the preceding downs that they went for it on fourth and one and then
4: don't go in on fourth and two. I, you know, Dave, to your point, and, and just looking at the time scoring situation against a team like the Colts who couldn't move the football, yeah, at all. it's a terrible decision to go for it. For, you know, the only benefit that came out of it is you took more time off the clock. That's it. But to me, you take the field goal, there would have been a 34 yard field goal, you go up by two scores. And I think one of the problems that we have in football is have paralysis by over analysis in so many situations where guys don't realize how to apply analytics. You know, I always talk about this to the punt return. Hmm. There's certain time scores and situations you should not have a punt returner back. Uh, it, the, risk, the risk is not worth the reward on 40 yards and turning the ball over. I'd rather give up 20 yards on a roll and let my offense have the ball. It's like when you run a fake field goal. Why are you doing that? You're paying your quarterback $30 million. There's time score and situation, and I think these coaches just don't seem to understand it enough, and it's amazing how many teams blow games. I remember I read an hard article in Dallas. Years ago, when I was back there covering sports, this high school game, this team is down nine. And the kids, the coach's nine-year-old son says to me, he goes, why don't you kick the field goal? There was like fourth down. He goes, we didn't think of it. Oh, my God. You're down two scores. You're down two scores, like four minutes to go. But it's like so many situations like this present themselves, and it's important from a betting angle to know what certain teams are going to do. When Lavin was coaching at St. John's, he was the greatest second-half over betting coach If your team, if the Johnnies were down, because they would start fouling with two minutes to go. So you'd wind up with 25 points in the final two minutes. So you've got to know the style and the uh, how a team is going to uh, implement strategy because it can help you from a total perspective or from a side or spread perspective.
3: Uh, rem- remember that name, Steve yeah. Lavin. Well, next time we have Tim Doyle on a show, one of our favorite guests to have on timmy has got some great lab stories that you absolutely eat up a great point that he is an over guy in the second. Half. Uh, I don't, timmy wasn't there when, when lab was at St. John's, yeah. but they've crossed paths and some great stories we'll get out of, out of Timmy on lab very quickly. So, Brandon daily twenty to three, they easily cash, uh, lay in the three and a half, four, whatever, you, whatever number you got last night with the Chargers. So that was never in doubt. My question, Amal, is uh, when you watch the Chargers now, mm-hmm. and they got two more games to go, obviously in the regular season. I've got a ticket plus twelve fifty. I got it last February to win the AFC. I checked the number today; they're about right around the same number, around eleven to 12 to one, depending on where you shop around. I don't feel better about it, and, and it almost makes me feel like. Why did I jump at this number almost eleven months ago, thinking I was getting a better number? Now, they've had a lot of injuries, and maybe they can be in a better position. But is it is it a, almost a test that says you wait and sometimes you're not getting the better of the number eleven months. Away, because look at them now. It's 10 to 1. Yeah, I got a little bit better the number, but not marketably better.
4: So the one thing that I've come to realize over time is, for example, uh, when you look at the Super Bowl odds, Steph, if you have those Super Bowl odds, if you guys could throw them up real quick, please. You see the Ravens right now at 12 to 1. They were 10 to 1 to win the AFC. That's what I had them before the season started. You can get a better number now. You know, some of these bets you make. (laughs) Ravens 25 to 1. Before the season, I am at 20 to 1. I'll tell you one thing that surprised me the odds don't change nearly as much as you would think when you're getting to a situation where it's a 14-team tournament. Mm. The reality of it is most of these teams are kind of uh, penciled in to a certain extent yeah. as to who it's going to be. It's a variation of probably about four teams, so you're looking at 18 potential teams. But I think you bring up a great point, especially in football with injuries. Now, Philly's oh, one man. that's an example where you would have been too late to the party. San Francisco is another one. Yep. But I think there's some other teams out there you look at and you go, you know what? I would have been better off waiting. Baltimore is a perfect example of it. Tampa, they were plus, I think, 350 to win the NFC. They're 28 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. So probably about 14 to 1 to win the, uh, uh, excuse me, the NFC. Um, You could have gotten far better odds. I want to
3: give you mad kudos for one of the calls you had. It wasn't that long ago, by the way. I believe it was about three weeks ago when Brock Purdy came in after the injury to Jimmy G. And we were doing the show the next week. Now, they, they won that. They haven't lost, by the way, since Purdy's taken over either. And you said then I remember I think the Eagles were about five to one, which is still where they are. Yeah. Cowboys were about eight to one. They floated to ten to one to win the Super Bowl. Remember, the Cowboys gonna have a much pather way to get path to get to the potential Super Bowl than the Eagles would if the Eagles are the one seed. And you like the Niners, and they were over double digits at that point. Those numbers are long gone. They're now six to one. The only hesitation I had, and I told you then, I'll say it again, is that a, no rookie quarterback yeah. has ever taken a team to, to win a Super Bowl. But you were right on this Niners team that. Brock Purdy, yes, Jimmy G, I think he's better, but it's not a precipitous drop, even though it's Mr. Irrelevant here in Brock
4: Purdy. Yeah, I think the one concern you have is having a rookie quarterback potentially lead you to a Super Bowl. It's never been done. But the big thing is when you look at the talent, Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, George Kittle, mm-hmm. Debo Samuel, of course, on the defense, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, guys like that, you've got so much talent. Armstead's back in the mix. It just makes this team very difficult to slow down. Absolutely. When we come back,
3: I'm all, let's talk about this bowl game. Still 14-14 Buffalo and Georgia Southern and others. I think we got three more in the docket today. We're really getting heated up here with bowl season. So come on back. It is Big Bets here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the sports betting network.
3: College bowl season is here. v as you covered, we got pick spreads and totals for every single ball game. Head to v check out all our bull betting coverage. And while you're there, now's a great time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for just $79. You get access to everything we do from now through the big dance. So visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Back here on Big Bets with Amal Shaw, We're going to have Frank Schwab join us at the top of the hour as he does each and every Tuesday to talk all things NFL. Uh, Jerry Rossberg, Stephanie, keeps reminding me in my ear because I keep forgetting his name. He's no relation. He is going to take over as the, uh, the new interim coach uh, right now. For the next couple weeks and we're talking about time management that's essentially what his job was that he was brought in to do that job so now he's going to get the opportunity this is certainly i don't think there's any long-term plans here but it is interesting that you basically had a special assistant who's now going to be doing what he was supposed to do which is utilize timeouts properly down in distance, when to when to take timeouts, when to go for two, when to kick it. Now I don't know if he knows the X's and O's because again he was a special assistant, but now he's going to take over for Denver for the next two weeks. Is could this be a sign of things to come? Because you do have different guys. Like I'm going to show my age a little bit, but well, you go back to what Jimmy Johnson, right? Yep. Jimmy wasn't necessarily known when the Cowboys won three Super Bowls in four years as as X's and O's guys. Sure. He was a motivator. He was a guy that knew how to put a staff together. Like, Norv Turner was running the offense back then and, you know, Butch Davis and Dave Wonstadt and some really good coordinators. Like, what do you want your head coach to be? I want to be an overseer like Jimmy was? Or do you want a guy like Bill Belichick that's doing
4: every single thing? You know, I think it depends on the type of talent evaluation you do. I think Jimmy was the first guy to really go get linebackers that were smaller and speed guys on the perimeter. Right, exactly. And it made a huge difference. And then we've seen kind of that implemented for the last three and a half decades or three decades in football. So that's worked out extremely well. Um, I think the motivator, the CEO type works extremely well, but I think it depends on the staff and the type of player and the personnel you have on your team. So all those things are a factor. You know, I can't comment on the X's and O's. It's way above my pay grade, but in terms of, you know, clock management, leadership, and other things, I think there's certain areas you look at certain guys and you go, there are certain guys in college football that get hired. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the reason why I said Hubert Davis would eventually fail long-term at Carolina. And everyone's like, oh, you're wrong. He went to the national title game. I said, you know what? Kevin Ollie got fired after winning a national he title. did. Give it time. Hubert Davis is only the second program to be ranked or the quickest, second quickest exit from the number one ranking to out of the top 25. UCLA in 66 was first. And you look at it and I go, there are certain personality types that I want to be a college basketball coach or a college football coach. I need a guy that's going to win a living room. And I look at Hubert Davis and I say, is that win? guy's not winning the living room. Mm. I, I want somebody who's going to come in there with a certain personality type in the NFL. I want somebody who's going to be able to manage personalities but is also respected. Look, Dan Campbell may not be the greatest coach, but I think he has the respect of his players based on how hard they play. I don't think Hackett had that in Denver. That defense has been elite all year. They made Baker Mayfield... Look like the greatest quarterback in the NFL all year. Well, we saw, I think it was 18 for 20 in the first Oh hit? My
3: goodness. Yeah. He ended up what? 24, or 28 for the game. I mean, they couldn't stop he was him pushing Phil Sims versus the
4: Broncos numbers.
3: <laughs> Boy, I hated that Super Bowl. Don't remind me of that one. I was, oh, on, the, I was on the Broncos and oh. John Elway that fateful day. Uh, we do have four bowl games to get to uh, one already in progress here. The Camellia bowl right now, Buffalo with a 17, 14 lead, just under 10 minutes to go here in the third quarter, taking a look at some of the live numbers. Now, Georgia Southern is that laying two and a half, even though they're down by three in that total, has crept back up to 57.5. I believe... Uh, before the game, is around 67, 66 and a half here. Georgia Southern initially a six-point favorite. What do you make of those in-game numbers now from what we've seen here to begin the second half?
4: You said Georgia Southern is a what favorite?
3: They are six. now two and a half on okay. the live number.
4: I, I like that number on them. they got to win by less than a field goal. Yep. Well, I didn't realize the original number went up to six. I think they, they had, just fumbled. They though. just did fumble. And Buffalo is going to have a short field. So those numbers
3: are going to flip now. I, my screen just went gray. The, by the way, this is exactly how quickly you need to stay on it yeah. because if this if this uh, turnover Stands, Buffalo is going to be in striking distance. And again, Georgia Southern was just as we began the conversation, two and a half point favorites. Watch and see where this thing flips depending on what Buffalo does in this drive. So again, those live numbers already repopulating here. How about this? It just flipped from fifty-seven and a half to sixty and a half for the total. And Georgia Southern was giving two and a half. Now they're getting two and a half with that with that quick momentum swing on the turnover.
4: Yeah, absolutely huge play here. Now it's going to see if the defense can rise up. Thirty-one points already scored. You said it's gone up from twenty-six and a half to twenty-nine and a half in essence because Mm -hmm. you said sixty and a half. So. I think it really comes down to this bet. If you're going to bet this total, if you feel that Buffalo is going to score here or not, a touchdown that is so interesting opportunity for the Eagles defensively to be able to get a stop. Hood fumble the ball. uh, To your point, it wanted to see if it was clear, but uh, looks like it's going to stand. And now Buffalo is going to have a real short field about
3: the 15 of Georgia Southern.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Good opportunity to be able to get three points. I'm sorry, seven points here. But if you don't, I think it's going to be really uh, just an issue uh, from a standpoint of. Them Uh-oh. missing a great opportunity. We've got a, a post play foul on after first down, a run of two and a half yards by UB. And this can be a crucial call because it's going to either give you half the distance to the goal from about the 16 uh-huh. down to the eight, or it's going to push it back to the 31 yard line and the down's going to count. So well, let's see if they got the, cause we saw this yesterday in the bowling green game. If you're watching yes. that bowl game where the, the guard got a second personal foul. Brandon kick, Warner, how do you get kicked out of a bowl game? The, um, this is interesting. Oh, oh boy. big penalty. Against Georgia Southern, so Buffalo's going to have oh, first off-setting. and goal. Oh, oh, offsetting.
3: offsetting. Okay, okay. Yeah. I just saw one arm, uh, then the other one. went. So I, always now try,
4: I always try to see which angle is uh, the yeah, way of leaning? the arm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
3: Uh, so that's going to be uh, offsetting penalties there, so we'll keep a watchful eye of those live numbers as they change. We got Utah State against Memphis. By the way, you look at the totals of these games today. This one, again, Georgia Southern was around 66 and a half. Utah State-Memphis uh, is 57. East Carolina, Coastal, 66. And then the the smallest number on the board, of course, involves Bucky Badger in Wisconsin, Oklahoma State. That's 45 for that one. (laughs) We're expecting a lot of points in this Utah State-Memphis game, East Carolina, Coastal Carolina. Your advice, again, if you like some of those things, great. You might want to take it pre-flop, but you might want to wait in game because I know this Georgia Southern game came tumbling down after a scoreless first quarter.
4: I, I think when you look at if you can be patient enough, and you asked me yesterday, and I, and I wish I had uh, mentioned to take it, but I, I didn't. I stayed away from it, and I said not to play. It was the second half with Bowling Green. They end up getting a block punt and then scoring a touchdown, losing by five. They were plus 13 and a half for the game at the break. Georgia Southern game, they were minus five or six, depending on mm-hmm. where you got the number. If you waited till halftime, you could have gotten Georgia Southern, uh, I think, minus five and a half. That would have made them plus two and a half for the game. So you would have been a much more favorable situation. Right now, the way this game is playing out, this is a big third down coming up here for uh, Buffalo, and it looks like they're going to get get the first down. Keeper and uh, quarterback's trying to hurdle guys. Oh,
3: we got hurdlers out there! This is like Edwin (laughs) Moses for all you old people like me out there. So we got a hurdler first and goal for Buffalo.
4: But to your point, even if. Even if Georgia Southern doesn't come back and win, you're still getting the better of the number. No question about it. But in this one, it becomes really crucial with the two and a half because let's say for some reason, UB's is at the three-yard line. It's, I think, two or three-yard line. If they don't score a touchdown here, mm-hmm. they kick a field goal and they go up by six. And let's say Georgia Southern scores and then UB wins the game with a field goal. You cover that second-half number. And so that becomes a huge, tremendous bonus there in that situation. So I, I, I here's my feeling, and this is what the advice I had been given years ago. You see how a game is playing out. Now, it doesn't mean you can't be wrong. There are some games where you see a team, uh, the Colts, Minnesota is a perfect example, right? 33-0, and then all of a sudden, we see the other way. But you felt like Minnesota would score some points and pretty easy second half bet Mm -hmm. because the Colts are playing the clock more than they are the opponent. New Mexico State with Jerry Kill yesterday. We talked about coaches knowing time scoring situation. That guy's trying to run out the clock before they even got to halftime. Yes, he is. And so you take those things into consideration. It becomes a big play, and UB now loses three yards. So... You know, all these things are a factor in terms of how you look at the handicap. But if you can be patient enough and just wait on second half, I always sit there and say college basketball offers you second half gravy. Every Saturday, there'll be three to four plays that you just want to unload the clip on if you're just sitting there patiently waiting. It's, it takes patience. And that's the key, as they airmail the tight ends to
3: third and goal now or Buffalo. What do you make of this Utah state Memphis game? And right now we're seeing Memphis over a touchdown favor eight, depending on one score with the two point conversion. So uh, 8 point spread there for Memphis that total again, 57, anything that you like before the game, how do you think it should go?
4: Well, weather could be a little bit of a factor cold in Dallas, uh, Seth Hennigan, the quarterback there for Memphis, had a pretty good season for this team. But to me, I want to see how the wind plays a bit of a factor. I think offensively, they're going to be a bit of a challenge Mm -hmm. for uh, this Utah state team defensively. Uh, I didn't play this game before it started. I want to kind of see how it plays out and then go from there. Um, This one I'm probably going to wait on. The one that intrigues me a little bit more, Dave, is the later one with Coastal Carolina. I think that one's going to be a little bit more of a manageable number if you like the favorite. If you like the dog, um, you know, you could take a shot with Coastal, but I'm not as high on them in this particular spot. I I like – I like East Carolina in this one. Okay, so East
3: Carolina lay in the seven against Coastal, even though the quarterback who's in the transfer quarter, McCall, I believe, is yeah. still going to be able to go uh, in this game. Hey, right on, just as you mentioned, Buffalo, even though they had first and goal from yeah. the three, they're not going to score, so they're not setting up for that three-point attempt here.
4: And I'm all th- these numbers keep changing rapidly. Oh, absolutely. And this is where, to me, we talk about clock management and game management. You should concede this. You shouldn't even be rushing the guy. Yeah. And just play for a fake Because, you know, you'll see so many situations where a guy will rough a kicker for no reason. This is, what, a 23-yard field goal? And
3: it is good. So, 20-14 to now. And, again, Buffalo now a a point-and-a-half favorite on the live number, 57-and-a-half. For that adjusted total, so kind of fun for us. It's like we—I feel like Femi and West—they get to live bet tonight every night when you have games going on. We got some games going on here, so we'll get to update those numbers uh, as we go. We'll talk more about the bowl uh, games uh, later on. We still have Wisconsin and Oklahoma State to break down, but also I do want to get into the NFL market. We talked about the futures market a little bit, how the teams might not adjust as much, even from as far back as February. But boy, do those individual markets adjust week by week as we come down the stretch for MVP comeback player of the year and beyond. Come on back. It is Big Bets here on VSN, the sports betting network.
0: VSN's Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on VSN, the
5: sports betting network.
3: Welcome back. This segment of East and Big Bets is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, the surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Most nicotine products are either too complicated to use or don't provide the satisfaction that you're looking for, but Zen Nicotine Pouches might surprise you. Zen is made with six simple ingredients. is completely tobacco-leaf-free. Plus, it offers up to one hour of nicotine satisfaction per pouch. Buy Zen online or find a store near you at zen.com. That's ZYN.com. This product does contain nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Back, long said, I'm all Shaw. Dave Ross here. We keep rolling on on big bets here on Veasan. We're talking about the MVP market and certainly some of the individual awards and how those markets have really been on the move in the last couple of weeks. Now, it is interesting because I remember, you know, just going back a couple months ago when I looked at some of the segments we did. Back then, in October, mm-hmm. Josh Allen was the far and away MVP leading candidate, uh, and he was about plus 350 in the marketplace. This is late October. You could have gotten Pat Mahomes at 5 to 1 at that time. You and I kept saying it. Like like Roy Jones, y'all must have forgot. Like like this is still Patrick Mahomes, right? right. now. I wish I'd listened to my own advice. I didn't hop in on that number, but now you look at it, you got away 5 to 1 2 months later for Patrick Mahomes. And look at the number from Friday to Tuesday. 280 almost doubled up to 5 bills. You know, it's not like you need a signature Heisman moment like Desmond Howard when he got the punt return against Ohio and posed for the Heisman. But if there ever was a Heisman moment for an MVP award, it was Patrick Mahomes when he dove for the pylon, reached out and got it, and you went, yeah, there's your MVP. So, I mean, th- there's no way he loses this award now,
4: does he? Well, I, I thought Jalen Hurts' uh, case got strengthened by the fact that they lost the ah, game. I'm so glad you brought that up. And to me... We're putting the performance against Seattle. That's the one. I mean, it's like sitting there, you know, let's say you're playing in in college football and all of a sudden you go out and tear up one of these teams from the Sunbelt. That's the game. You go, wow, that's the Heisman moment. I mean, right, Seattle, right? But it just feels like if you needed
3: something to say, yep, well, there's the highlight play that they're all going to talk about and show. We dives for the pylon again. Jalen Hurts from Friday goes from plus 450 to 10 to 1. I mean, that is a precipitous drop for a guy who didn't play in their biggest game of the year in a loss at Dallas. Now, Gardner mentioned did throw for 355. But to your point, 10 to 1, we don't know if he's going to play against the Saints right. this weekend, right? No doctor, but I'd be surprised if he did. Point being, if he doesn't play anymore, can he not win this award?
4: I, I feel like they're negating his opportunity to be able to win it. You're talking about you're going to miss three out of 17 games. So you're looking at almost about what, 16, 17% of the season? For me, it's not enough of a time miss to be able to negate what he's done so far. I I mean, look, I'm a big Mahomes guy, and Mm -hmm. I got no qualms with him winning it. But I I think that you have to also take into consideration some of the things that some of these other teams have been able to do. Um, And and so from that standpoint, I I think it's crucial when you look at it. Uh, By the way, Dave, would this be a targeting call here? I thought this guy plowed him right in the head. Well, we've got a fourth down situation in the
3: bowl game that's still going on. And it's 20 to 14. I don't think there's any laundry on the field. But uh, we have a hurt receiver for Georgia Southern. Not good news if you're a Georgia think, Southern backer like I am in the second half. I
4: think that's Hood, their best receiver that's down.
3: Okay, that is not a good development here. So, again, we look at those live numbers uh, as they keep populating. And, yeah, head hits the turf. You know, we saw this again with Tua Valoa. We're going to get to that as well later on in the show. But, boy, those are tough ones to, to to see because, you know, especially for kids, you don't like it for the adults either. But this is could be a really, really uh, – Bad situation here. Need oh, of the head. head. That's what it was. It was a need of, of the head, head here, yeah. but looked inadvertent. Yep. But still, it is in fact it was a need of head. So uh, they're getting Hood off the field now. You hope he can be okay, but I'm sure you're gonna have to do some concussion protocol there. And again, you see Georgia Southern was laying six. That that pregame total is not necessarily in jeopardy if they can get a score, because then once they if they could get up theoretically, that six could come back back into play. But right now, Buffalo with that six point lead. Uh, let's get back to the marketplace here. And again, I do want to look at some of these uh, comeback player of the year awards as well, as by the way, Clay Hilton's going to punt. I don't understand that from the 45, but no,
4: I think it's the right call. You do. Oh, absolutely. Pin them deep? Yeah, absolutely. You've got a terrific punter. You mm-hmm. get this ball inside the 10 yard line, even if it's a touchback still, regardless, I think this is the right call. All right. It is a touchback. So Buffalo will start off at their own 20 with about four and a half
3: minutes to go in the third quarter. Geno Smith, was the favorite to win the Comeback Player of the Year award on Friday, minus $1.05. Not a great performance. Bad interception against uh, the the Chiefs, I thought. uh, One that really kind of hammers their chances of coming back. Now he's plus $1.75. Tied with Saquon, who was 15-1 to a week ago. Now they lose to Minnesota, but what a game Saquon had. Now he goes – that is a – I cannot believe you're seeing the volatility in this market in the final three weeks – Fifteen to one on Friday to plus a dollar seventy-five today. Does that seem like a justifiable move in the betting market?
4: You know, I don't know. I, I think Saquon he played extremely well against Minnesota, I, and I, you know, I think he's a guy that's probably going to get the award. I would bet on Saquon before I bet on uh, Gino. Gino, yeah, absolutely. I, I think when you look at the Giants and what they've been able to do, oh my! You've got to be kidding me! You, you couldn't have had an easier interception if you're Georgia Southern
3: kid. Just dropped it. He might have scored. It just dropped it. I'm sorry. I, 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 like, we, we're, you know, we, we got the second screens going here, and you, you just can't drop this football. It's,
4: it's, it's probably a touchdown. but it, <laughs> He may not have scored, but he still would have had an opportunity to run. If he breaks one tackle, it's off to the races. But I can make that catch. Every I, other player on the field could have made that catch. That is amazing. It's like the
3: old ESPN commercial. Jimmy Key is going to be Jimmy Key. What's he like? Sixty? <laughs> That's a great one. That's like like right. the, I can, I'm almost 60. I can make that catch, but he didn't make the catch. And Now Buffalo has new life. for third and 10.
4: Oh. Uh, well, he, please tell me you saw the second down throw by Snyder. I'm sorry. We're talking about this game. We'll get back to the comeback player of the year in a second. It was a quick out to the running back. Missed in him the by four yards. Well, it wasn't that he missed him by four yards. He threw a 98 mile an hour fastball. The only thing that could have happened on that play is if Ahmed, the running back, could have gotten his hands on it, would have popped up and been picked off. I mean, that ball was an absolute heater. We're betting on kids, America. Still kids. These Young, young adults. Hey, Dave, you, you were you were 18, 19 when you were nice enough to put your life on the line 18. for this country. And you know what? I, I think it's okay if we're wagering on guys that are 18 or 19 that are playing football. <laughs>
3: totally agree. So the comeback player of the year, you see, we both believe right now that the, the, the wager to make, if you were to make it, and of course they get the first down, the, 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 the award you would, you probably would play Saquon, but to me, the value has gone. He's now tied with Geno for plus $1.75. With the volatility that we've seen in a week, could you make a case for McCaffrey at plus 250 for Jared Goff at plus 650 or Derek Henry? I, I can't see a scenario there at 60 to one where he's even playable.
4: No, I would agree with you. I think it's going to be Saquon at the end of the day. And, you know, Gino can write and they didn't write back. You know, <laughs> I, that's why I've always said Gino's so dumb. You go and trademark that. Who's looking to put that on a shirt? This is not like three-peat and Pat Riley where the Bulls are going to go back-to-back back twice on three-peats and you're going to make money on every T-shirt sold. It doesn't seem like it's it's going to work now
3: for Gino. But, but look, he's got a chance two weeks to go. If they could have a big win, they're underdogs, by the way, at home this week.
4: Let's see if Gino can get off the mat. And then start answering the phone, Congressman. I appreciate that little segue there. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's going to work out there.
2: I don't either.
3: Yeah, looks I, like, don't it's be afraid months. to
4: call him out, Dave. It's Saquon go- to lose. Well, forget about that. I'm just talking about a stupid trademarking of. They didn't write. It's like Robert Sala. I would go up to him and ask him, "Hey, man, you still taking receipts on how crappy your quarterback is?" <laughs> Sometimes you just it's, it feels like you're doing too much,
3: right, Gino? You know when you're trademarking those things, I don't yeah. mind if it's got some actual business value that's going to make you some money. Yeah, I'm not buying that T-shirt. Uh, the coach of the year market has tumbled for one biting kneecap, Dan Campbell. Now, again, e- e- look, the job they've done to get back into the position, great. But then not so great. Friday, 3-1 to to win the award. Now, 14-1. to How about that? Dable, who looked like everybody wanted to give it to him in the first half of the year, he's still in there. And I- I'm surprised he's still 14-1 to because they look like a playoff team right now for the G-Men, which is... A pretty good, pretty good job. Sirianni hasn't moved despite the loss to minus $1. seventy-five. Kyle Shanahan is the biggest mover of the week. 10 yeah. to 1 to plus 275. That actually makes sense to me. Why is that? Because of Purdy? Right. Because you've gone to a third string quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, last player drafted, and yet you haven't really missed a beat. Doesn't that make some sense to you too?
4: Well, listen, I'm not getting enamored by the fact that you beat a guy that's going to be selling furniture shortly in Taylor Heineke and you've got you beaten Ron Rivera. I mean, come on. It's not like anyone accuses Ron Rivera of being Bill Belichick 2.0. Yeah, it, it is.
3: Look, you're right. But I think what they've done is that the betting market has now said, I'm looking at the body of work of what he's done with Brock Purdy. Like, this is a tangible thing. I, I'm an offensive guy, Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. I've now re-schemed this offense for three different quarterbacks. And they're not all the same quarterback. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't be more different than, say, Trey Lance and what he would have been, right? I don't really know what Brock Purdy is yet. feels like maybe a combination of both.
4: I I would agree with that. I like that assessment. And I think they all give you different strengths. Yeah. Right? Uh, Garoppolo's got more accuracy than the other two. Purdy's got good mobility but can throw the ball on the run a little bit more. And then Trey Lance has got a lot more mobility than the other two guys. So – uh, I think they're all combinations, uh, a little bit slightly different. All right, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on those markets. We're we'll keeping an eye on this game. We got a fourth and one for Buffalo at about their own forty-three. Amal Shaw, head coach Shaw, what do you do? If since you got Georgia Southern plus the points, and I want Georgia Southern to win, I'm hoping they punt. If I'm UB, I go for this. I think they're going to go for it. And they're, they're going <laughs> to punt. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I always look at it from the perspective of the team that you're cheering for. What, what do would you want? want them to do? I would want them to punt because I, I'm pretty confident they would make it. Watch for the fake.
3: Fake. Let's see if there's a fake. Like, yeah, they're, they're going to try to do something to draw them off sides. Didn't work here. Now they waste a timeout. No, they took the delay game. All right. We're back with more update live games and Frank Schwab top of the hour here on Big Bets.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. v Big Bets with Dave Ross and Amal Shaw on v the sports betting network.
3: The countdown to 2023 has started, and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook has you covered to start off the new year with a bang. Join Bet Rivers on both New Year's Eve and New Year's Day to ring in 2023. Log into BetRivers.com, download the Bet Rivers app on December 31st. You're going to get a 22% profit boost. Then the next day, January 1st, 2023, ring in the new year with a 23% profit boost on any qualifying wager. So celebrate with Bet Rivers and get not one, but two profit boosts. It is a whole new game. Back alongside of Mal Shaw, Dave Ross here. We have some drama here. We got a targeting call in this Georgia Southern game, twenty to fourteen Buffalo. Final minute of the third quarter. I don't, you know, I, at this stage, it's kind of like, what is a catch in the NFL? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't figure it out. I There's no consistency with some of these calls, so it's like. You
4: could call unnecessary roughness if you want, but then they call targeting. So is it targeting? I I really don't know. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think this one's tough to call. It was called targeting on the field. So we'll see if it stays in there. But based on the way these guys have been headhunting in the UB secondary, I would have <laughs> thought Greg Williams is the defensive coordinator. <laughs> oh, oh,
3: oh, I mean, boy, boy, people might forget triple G, but that dude is a coordinator. He got <laughs> after the opposing defenses. You know, we're talking a lot of, I saw social media just blowing up because of the uh, Derwin James hit yesterday. Mm-hmm. And people are saying, well, he got kicked out of the game for the the hit. No, he got kicked out of the game because it was a second personal Mm -hmm. foul. So that's why he was ejected from the game last night. But I got to be honest with you, and I know I'm in the minority, and I know I'm going to come off like old man uh, on this one. I think it should be three personal fouls before you kick a guy out in the NFL. Like, I get it that we're trying to change the game, but enforcers like Ronnie Lott couldn't play in today's game with the way he played safety, right? And Derwin James, they – they don't want the Derwin Jameses anymore in the NFL. And I think that that's a mistake. I want it to be as safe as possible, but it's not a safe game. The game is inherently dangerous. And, you know, I saw, like, Travis Johnson used to play at Florida State with Brian McFadden. Mm-hmm. He tweeted out, he separated the man from the ball. That's his job. And I know that that is an unpopular opinion, the way that we kind of look at sports these days. But that is, that's
4: always been the job. They coach it. You have to separate man from ball. That's the goal. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I'm kind of indifferent on it. I think there's a part of it that's like I understand why they do it, and, and I understand the argument that you're giving and that uh, Johnson gave as well. Yep. But I, I, to me, I, I think at the end of the day when you look at and there's not a direct proof of it, but I think when you see the number of cases of ALS post football, yeah. when you see some of the traumatic brain injuries and other things, I think you have to take these things into consideration. And I always love everybody on, in the Twitter, you know, Twitter world and everywhere else. I'll just, you know what, dude, you're not out there. No. And you know what, if you got a complaint, stop watching the game. Exactly. And the thing is, is like I get the defensive
3: receiver thing, but is is Derwin James supposed to wait till he turns his head around? Like, I, like I don't know what the
4: defenders, defensive backs per se, linebackers. We don't know where you're supposed to hit the quarterback anymore. Well, the quarterback thing's a joke. It is. That's a joke. Just go ahead and put a flag on the quarterback. That'll be a lot easier. Yes. I mean, the landing, the body weight and all that stuff. I would love it
3: in a perfect world for it to be a perfectly safe game. And we have
4: fun watching it and gambling on it. But it's not. There is risk involved. And these are the risks that that are associated with the game. I will tell you one thing. And this is not a scientific poll because it's my own. But if you look at back in the 80s and 90s, the number of quarterbacks that took shots, and the number of quarterbacks that had kids with birth defects, oh. I think there's a direct correlation. Wow. There. I mean, they, they did take much different
3: shots than you take today in the NFL. And I get it. I, we're, we're trying to, you know, for the, for the humanality of it, yeah. uh, if you will, to keep these guys safe. But I just also don't know how you necessarily play defense anymore. Uh, let's get back to the bowl action here. Wisconsin against Oklahoma State tonight. Yeah. This is the lowest total on the board at 44 for the bowl games going on today. And Wisconsin is a four and a half point favorite surprises me a little bit. We know there's a lot of transfers and opt outs and
4: the like for Oklahoma state here from Mike Gundy. First of all, what's the incentive for for you for either one of these two teams? Well, I think anytime you want to show out if you have an opportunity to bowl game, but more importantly for some of the younger players, when you look at it from a player standpoint, you know, guys that are uh, playing, like Chase Wolf, for example, he's going to have an opportunity playing quarterback here for the Wisconsin Badgers. On the flip side, when you look at it from an Oklahoma State standpoint, Garrett Rangel he might get the start, or uh, I think Caleb uh, Gundy, or excuse me, Gunner Gundy, Caleb's uh, Mike's brother. But um, which one's going to get the start? But I think it'll be Rangel that gets the start in this one. So he'll have an opportunity to make a name for himself. Uh, And you look at it from a team standpoint going forward, you want to be able to show for your next new coach, if you're Luke fickle, who's going to be taking over guys effort in terms of how well they performed in a bowl game. And if they're giving an effort in what many people would call a meaningless game, but really an opportunity to show what you want to do. So obviously coaching changes at Wisconsin. We, We know Mike Gundy's there. Would you give the motivational coaching edge to one team over the other for, for Gundy? Not really, but Mike Gundy's had a good bowl record in his past. So I think that's one thing that you look at and point to and say, hey, this is an opportunity to be able to be successful in this particular matchup. And this is one where you're getting points. It's not a bad opportunity for this team uh, in terms of where they're at to be able to get a win. You'd like to finish out the season strong. If you can win this game, catching four and a half, this is not one I would look to take. I think this is a tough game to call again. I'd wait for an in-game opportunity, but Gundy's 11 and five in bowl games in his career. He's done pretty well. All right. So maybe wait on in-game there, 44 the total. Do you think it is going to be as advertised, a low
3: scoring kind of rock fight? It
4: feels that way because the quarterback situation, both teams are going to have backups in there. Guys that didn't play regularly. Spencer, Spencer Sanders has entered the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. You've seen the same thing with Gog. uh, uh Graham Ertz, uh, Mertz, excuse yep. me, for uh, Wisconsin as well.
3: All right. So, again, that's the last bowl game on the docket today. I do want to get to our pro tip here for our number one. And it's something that, uh, that you talked about. And I look at it. We got admirers here, Mall, which is really nice to see here at South Point. Um, you, you mentioned that, really, there's no incentive to play a game. Yeah. Unless it's in the second half. Like, if you have patience in the gambling market, you're going to get a much better number
4: if you just wait till halftime and see how the games are playing out. There's no question about it. I mean, this game is a perfect example. Right now, it's 20 to 14 heading into the fourth quarter. Georgia Southern down by six. They were laying six. Now, look, there's still a possibility they could cover the game, yep. but probably not likely. Mm-hmm. But a strong possibility they could win the football game. You know, you're at midfield. You have a first down and 10 to start the fourth quarter. So a good opportunity to be able to go down and get points. This is a game that could potentially wind up in overtime as well if you kick a couple of field goals. So a lot of scenarios in play here. But if you just wait, you look at these games, you know, you could have gotten Bowling Green. It was laying three. Could have gotten them plus 13 and a half, second half yesterday. Um, you look at this game here today. You could have gotten Georgia Southern plus the points. Doesn't mean every game's going to play out that way. And sometimes mm-hmm. you might pass up on a winner or two. But in my opinion, if you just wait and you're patient, So many times the numbers are so much better in an in-game opportunity or halftime.
3: I'm with you on that. So again, you have to retrain because now these these opportunities 20, 30 years ago were not there for for a lot of the gamblers, right? That you you didn't have all these in-game updated literally by timeout uh, opportunities. So if you just show more patience, unless you really have a good, you got to you really think you have a stranglehold on this game, and you just know before it begins that, that I'm on the right side here. Hey, if you got a conviction. Fine, follow your method. But the advice that malls giving here is a prudent one. If you just wait, and certainly even until halftime, you're more than likely seeing how the game plays out, going to get a better a better opportunity to cast more tickets.
4: You know, perfect example, yesterday I didn't play it before the game uh, because I generally don't play a ton of NBA pregame, but I like the Cavaliers laying two against Brooklyn. They were getting smoked at halftime. Mm-hmm. But you got a much better number if you took the Cavs in the second half. So I think those are all things that you want to take into consideration. I think the NBA, unless you have a situational spot where a team's laying a short number, you probably are much, much better served waiting for an opportunity for an end game, because the way the game plays out, it's just such a game of runs. It gives you a much better opportunity. All right. So that is the pro tip here for hour number one here on big bets. Again, as a VEASAN pro
3: subscriber, you have access to up to 20 pro tips a day across the VEASAN spectrum. You can go to VEASAN.com, sort those out by show and or by sport. I do want to get to college basketball, Mm -hmm. Amal, and pick your brain a little bit. I know we're all focused on the bowl games here today, but sometimes there could be some opportunities there in the college basketball slate that you might like today. Again, Northwestern against Texas A&M. We've got Jacksonville against Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Commerce against Texas. Seton Hall, Marquette might be the marquee matchup in South Carolina State at Texas Tech. Is there any? particular game that you're looking at here in college basketball that you might uh, take a shot at.
4: You know, the uh, Jacksonville dolphins are taking on the fighting Irish today at the Joyce center. This should be an interesting one. Notre Dame struggles. uh, I think they've lost two in a row. They lost at Florida state by one. Uh, This is a team that hasn't played great, but they can really shoot the basketball. They did lose the previous game to that to Georgia. So good opportunity for them to get back on track. Didn't lay the number here again, but I'll wait and see if there's an opportunity uh, during the game and see if there's a better number there.
3: All right. Disaster has just struck for Georgia Southern on third and 10. They are picked off. So Buffalo now flips the field here. So while it was right around midfield, I believe Buffalo is going to have the ball about the Georgia Southern 40. I got to be honest with you. Clay Helton, they get the big play to start off the second half, and since then, the offense has really gone dormant. So, Buffalo, with a real good opportunity here, it's going to get dicey for those second half numbers if Buffalo puts any more points on the board, but you know, again, if you're five and a half, six, laying that in the second half, this is not what you're looking for with this interception here.
4: Yeah, I would agree with you. This is a tough one on third down and 10. Uh, Now, if you're UB, you're about probably 15, 20 yards away from being in field goal range. I think they're at about the Georgia Southern 40-yard line, so Real good opportunity to put some real game pressure on Georgia Southern here. Look, the first two downs don't matter. It seems like Georgia Southern's done an effective job. On third Uh, down. It's a third down. I think, uh, you know, you're looking at UBU's 8 for 12 or something like that right now.
3: All right, so maybe Georgia Southern getting up against it here, 20 to 14. Let's see if Buffalo gets more points on the board when we come back to begin our number two frank schwab is going to join us to talk all things nfl and some of the changing numbers that we see in those games before we begin week 17. come on back big bets here on Beeson, the sports betting network
2: Zumo Zumo Play.